buttons and anything else with auditory capabilities. And welcome back to Exit 311. I'm your host, Matthew Todd. I'm your host, Aaliyah Arnett. And I'm your third host, Ryan Lopez. And today joining us, a very, very special guest, as always. Hello, listening world. I am Brandon Farmer. I work here at Jessup. I'm the director of Res Life and a residence director in Sunset Hall. What, what? So basically, our Miranda Mind's current boss and Aaliyah's former boss for True. RA stuff. Yep. My farmer boss. And I am the <laughs> boss. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Brendan, the former. Yes, and the boss in general. A very big fan of wrestling, The Rock, and Wolf t-shirts. Uh, yes. Would you like to so Would you like to c- explain the shirt you're wearing right now? I, I would, but you forgot the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That's a key. Oh, that's a key. That's, that's, yeah, we can't if you're going to talk about my favorites, those are... Yeah, we can't leave that out. So. True. If you made your housing dating profile for Julie Orth, you know, when you have to like match up with a roommate, that would be that, Nebraska. That would be of course. Key, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it is uh, Wolf Shirt Good Friday. And uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, today I am uh, proudly wearing uh, a wolf shirt uh, from about two years ago from Walmart because who knew that Walmart actually has a cycle of wolf shirts that they provide. And my mother, Marmer Farmer, picked this out. Marmer Farmer. It has a spirit wolf in the background with three angry wolves lurking in the forefront of the shirt protecting the spirit. Oh, they're protecting the wow. spirit wolf. Yeah. So what yeah. is it? What does it mean to you? What is this? What is well, it? Why wouldn't you wear this shirt on Good Friday? Right. That's fair. I mean. Okay, it, I have a question. Yes, go. How many wolf shirts does Walmart put out every year? That's a great question. I, you know, I have not had the gumption to ask Marmer Farmer how many shirts they put out. My assumption would be every shirt that Walmart has <laughs> is a wolf shirt. Because every time I go, that's all I see are American flag shirts or wolf oh. shirts. So how many would you guesstimate? My how guess, many I guess they put I bet they put five shirts out a season. So wow. how many do you think your mom owns? Uh, my mom probably owns well she does rotate them a little bit, so I bet she has over thirty. Wow. wow. The yeah, the the wolf shirt like subculture is very interesting to like dive is, into. My aunt also she has like all these tapestries and things of like of like wolves. It looks just yeah. like that. Too. Really fuzzy uh blankets. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes. blankets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we have yeah. a blanket at my house. It's called the wolf blanket. And it's like yes. a, it's like a big wolf with like also like a falcon on it. And it's just like a super heavy blanket. Everyone calls it the wolf blanket, too. Yeah. That's no, what everyone. She also calls it you know if you if it's a really cold night it's like i need the wolf blanket right now yeah exactly that's awesome when i was when i was at a former university my rds uh did wolf shirt fridays and so yeah so uh shout out to michael harry uh that brother wears wolf shirts at least once a week probably multiple times a week so he definitely listens to this podcast too well he will now yes (laughs) i hope so you should tell him that you called him out um, yeah, so this is for you, Michael. Yeah, so actually, we wanted to talk to you about some of your free, um, for previous, I almost said former again, I don't know, this is weird, previous experiences as being an RD. We know that just from what we've seen as RAs, just all that culminates within you. So even at this school, right, you've seen basically the sum of what we've all seen or heard about it. But then as well, I know you've experienced much more being at all the other schools that you've served at, like Pepperdine and Chico. So I wanted to know if you had some of those stories you could just, you would be willing to share with our audience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, when you guys asked me to sit with you and talk through some funny college stories, there are many that come to mind. Some probably not the most appropriate to share (laughs) on said podcast, but uh, there's one that I I love uh, to share because it just, the 
yeah, it's just ridiculous. So as you said, I worked, I've worked at some really cool places, uh, crazy places. So, um, <laughs> you know, my first job out of graduate school. So here I am, a newly married guy, been married for a year, and I move my uh, wife of one year into a nine-story building in Chico, California with 540 freshmen, Mm -hmm. uh, many of whom went to Chico not for their academics, but because of their... Uh, quote unquote party scene. And that is so, the reputation of that school. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here I am, 23 years old, going into this space with 16 RAs. And one of the RAs, not in my area, but in another area, uh, was like 52. And so I have this 52 year old looking at me wow. during training. It was w- really oh interesting dynamics in the group. But I was so close in age to my RAs. It was, it was so weird. So, because a senior, you know, I had many seniors on my staff of 16 RAs. And they're mm. 21, 22 years old. And here I am, this 23-year-old out of grad school, acting like I know what I'm talking about. Um, but one fu- the, one of the funniest stories that I think of, and so w- one of the interesting things, uh, it's, a, it's so different now. I mean, it's, it feels so long ago. But when we were in this high-rise, we had to implement, and, and this was across campus, we had to implement what was called guest check-in. So there was so much traffic in Chico uh, on a weekend because of the scene there. So was, mm-hmm. you have all these undergrads there, their friends come in, and they just want to partake in the scene. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't know who was coming in and out of our building. So we implement this this guest check-in. So the RAs work all night long. So on the weekend when you were on call, there was like you were, that was it, you didn't get any sleep. Yeah. And so as an RD, I would sit at this table with them and a person would come in and they would fill out a card. It would be driver's license number. It took forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was one night I was sitting out uh, with my RAs and um, earlier that day I hurt my back playing basketball so uh, I was sitting out there I was I could hardly move I had on these flip-flops uh, or sandals I don't you know flip-flops and they're there are these really cute flip-flops that my wife gave me for our wedding and they were sky uh-huh. blue and on the bottom when you stepped in the sand it let it let a mark it left markings that said Jesus loves you <laughs> so uh, which, you know, when you're walking on concrete, it doesn't matter. But there, there's a point for me telling you that. So we're sitting in the lobby, and it's a pretty active Thursday night. And I just remember we sit, we're in, there's only one way in and one way out of my building. The main entry, you get on the elevator and go up. So we're sitting there at about like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and this crazy guy, he was ripped. Like, uh, uh, at the time, like, I looked at him, and I was like, if that guy gets in here, he would smoke me in a fight. Like, he was ripped. His shirt was off. He didn't have shoes on. And he was pounding on the door that he wanted in. So we're telling people not to come. We're, like, telling people, don't open the door. We're on the phone with campus police. Campus police at a place like Chico are state police. Mm -hmm. So they're strapped and they're, you know, Mm -hmm. not not knocking on our police here, our campus safety. But they're, like, actual sworn-in police officers there. And so they were good friends of mine. So we're on the phone. We're like, you need you to get here. So then, you know, an oblivious freshman comes in and swipes their card and lets the guy in. So the guy comes oh in. Gosh. I was like, you're not getting on the elevator. And he's like, I'm getting on the elevator with a bunch of curse words. So I, of course, you know, like any professional, I'm super intense. And I start cussing back at him. I was like, you're <laughs> not getting on that elevator. So he grabs our plastic table. He flips it up in the air. And he's like, I'm getting on that elevator. And I was like, you're not getting on. I put my fist up. I was like, you're not getting on that elevator. Oh and I see campus safety. They, they start 
start rolling up, and so they run up to the door. And so they come, he sees them, he bolts out of the door and goes around the building. Now, this is where it gets really funny, because... The police tell me to go around the building to find him. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not the cop. So I was like, all right. So I go out, and we're on the corner of a street. And so I go out around our big, large high-rise and come down this residential road. And I'm I'm wobbling because my back is hurting. And then I hear rustling in these 30-foot trees. And this man jumps out of the trees at me oh in the gosh. middle of this residential neighborhood. And I start running down the street. <laughs> and thank God the police come around the corner. And so then he takes off across the park. But the reason why I tell you about these flip-flops is just hilarious that this chubby RD that just got married living in this hall with my <laughs> wife getting chased by this ripped guy with no shoes on. And every time my foot went up in the air, it was just letting him know that Jesus loved him. <laughs> uh, so, But we never caught that guy. Uh, but that's a pretty funny funny story I mean, and still that was at large yeah still at large for sure still at large for wow. sure so wait he was up inside the tree so, and then jumped yeah. out of it so it was like these bushes hedges that wow. kind of protected our building from like the street right. it was more for aesthetics but they were like 20 or 30 feet oh my high gosh. so he climbed in there to hide but then when i come around the corner jumps out I, at you yeah he jumps out <laughs> at me and starts chasing me down the street and i was heck? like freaking out so um, so that's a funny story. Um, another great story from Chico. This had nothing to do with the residents. Are, are we good with another one, a quick one? So you all know, uh, well, yeah, you know, my buddy, Jeff, he's spoken at chapel here before students really like him here. He'll hopefully be here this fall. So this was before he got married. He was living in LA, uh, pursuing acting and he was doing voiceover work. And so for one of my birthdays, my birthday is in late August. So for those of you that have been RAs, so all of you here, for folks in the listening world, late August is like my busiest time of year. So I don't really celebrate mm, yep. my birthday, right? Because we're in the thick of welcoming students and programs. And what, so, day, what day is your birthday? Uh, August 28th. August 28th. Everyone take nice. notes. Take please notes. take notes. Yeah. Send, send your love to him when you come back to school, please. <laughs> yeah. um, so... Uh, so we don't have anything planned, and so my wife plans this whole thing for me that I, I was unaware of. So I get a phone. I'm on call. So when you're on call in Chico, this is in Chico again. Uh, I'm on call, and so again, we, it kind of got to the point where when you're an RD on call for the weekend, you know you sleep during the day, you stay awake at night because right. there's no going to sleep. It's You're going to get called every 10, 15 minutes. That's and crazy. You have to go wherever, you know, and there's there's buildings that are spread out, and then there are apartments that are about a mile off campus that you have to drive to. Dang. And so, uh, so I was on call, and I get this phone call from one of my RAs in my building, and I hear screaming and yelling, just just an uproar so i'm like yeah. oh crap so um they're like farmer you gotta get here there's a huge fight on the seventh floor so i like i was somewhere outside and i come sprinting back to the building i was on campus somewhere i come sprinting back i get into the building get into our elevator and i hear the ruckus when i get on the elevator so i hop on yeah, and i'm like trying to get mentally ready because you know you're like well you don't know what you're coming into there was right. the police weren't there yet so i'm thinking like I don't know what to come up. So I get up onto the seventh floor and the elevator opens and I see this circle of people. The lot so the there's like a lobby when you get off the elevator, pretty large. You could put, you know, a hundred people in it. Mm -hmm. And there's this circle of people. And I see like my whole staff's there too. 
and they're all just standing there. So I'm really confused <laughs> because Aww. in the middle are these yeah. two large men fighting, like physically <laughs> fighting and wrestling. And I, so I'm like looking around and I'm like, well, this can't keep happening. So I go up and grab these guys on their backs of their shirts and my adrenaline's flowing and I like literally throw them off of each other. And then Jeff had his head hit and he jumps up and goes, surprise! And so anyway, <laughs> my wife and my RAs and all the students in my building staged this fight to surprise oh, me oh to have Jeff come up. But the intensity was something that it's just I've never experienced before. And, and it wasn't that I was trying to get in the mix of it, but no one was breaking this fight up and it looked like these people were beating that crap so out of So they really other. actually got in a fight. Like, I feel like I've seen the kind of thing where it's like you fake a call and then you show up and everything's chill. But the fact that they were actually fighting. They were wrestling, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny. funny. So, um yeah, so it just, you know, it, the thing was is it wasn't far-fetched. I went into the the calls that we would get there uh, were so crazy that it, it wasn't it wasn't surprising mm-hmm. when you would go into a call. It would just be like, all right, how am I going to deal with this unique situation? So, right, right. Yeah. And I know that feeling of, like, you get a call, you're like, anything could happen. Yeah. Or you just, you smell something that you I know you shouldn't that. be smelling, and you're right. like, yeah. okay. Yes. Okay. So actually, I want to give you some more time if you can, if you want to think of some more, especially from like Pepperdine or something like that, or yeah. even Jessup, if you if you want to go so spicy. <laughs> but in the meantime, we need to make money. Yes. We need to make money. We yes. need money. We are obsessed with money. And so let me go ahead and read our ad for the week. This episode of Exit 311 is brought to you by Hot Pockets. With 10 grams of protein and 100% real cheese, this is a snack that could satisfactorily satiate starved citizens in any situation. As the forefathers of all doughy snacks, Hot Pockets have held the record for the best snack among teenagers and sentient turtles for 1,400 years. Hot Pockets are a versatile delicacy requiring only two minutes of radiation heating in order to turn their inner parts molten. Two minutes later, their inner temperature will be still be unbearably hot, but after three to four bites, enough taste buds will have been scorched for the temperature to no longer be a bother. You can pick up this tasty treat at any store where frozen pizzas are sold, and also a lot of gas stations. Hot Pockets, <laughs> ding, not a real sponsor. My favorite thing about Hot Pockets is that there, most of it is too hot to eat, and then the middle is frozen. There's, yeah, I would say the I very like center is ice, and like oh. you get the meatball kind, and you're literally crunching on little ice ice cubes. Yeah, it gets me. It's beautiful. And you can't tell if you open them from the box, you can't tell what they are. My, apparently, my dad bought like some Philly cheesesteak ones, and my little sister bought some meatball marinara ones, and there we couldn't tell what like I just they were just one just by itself <laughs> empty, and I had no idea what it was going to be. And I, but Emma was like, my little sister was like, eh, that's got to be the meatball one like that's the one i have i think that's what's left okay cool so i cook it up and it just smells really strange i'm like what is going on and i was like i only because i was just a bite into it and i'd been into there's like peppers in it i'm like what is happening oh, good worst. lord they can't just like engrave it that'd be nice he's <laughs> a little laser the, cutter that's part of the beauty of a hot pocket is the mystique is it the mystery yeah, yeah. you're right you can never tell what's going on inside of there i i have to mentally know what i'm I know. Yeah, that it's would, like it's like it's I mean, terrible. you've had that problem, right? Where you yeah. drink, you you grab your water cup and you think it's milk, and you drink it, and it's just terrible tasting suddenly. Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. ever had that? It's like Mountain Dew. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you're like this is the worst flavor. Or you hope it's Mountain Dew. You have to know whatever it is. You drink it, you're like this is so strange. <laughs> what is this warm well, yellow? When liquid? I was growing yeah. up, my I we would have round cheese and then cheese cut in half. There was like this Colby Longhorn, and so my parents convinced me that the same cheese but if it was cut in half i'd be like why does the cheese cut in half 
taste different than the round cheese. And so my <laughs> parents convinced me as a kid that they're different cheeses. And so, so of Based course, so of course, now that I have three children, I'll have the same cheese and I'll cut it in half. I'll be like, this one's a little bit different, even though they came out of the same, just to screw around with them a little bit. <laughs> so like, I feel the okay. same way about Hot Pockets. If I don't know, then it's all messed up. I have to mentally prepare for right. meatball or, right. yeah. but ham and cheese is the only Hot Pocket that I'm familiar with. I love really? the ham that one's pretty yeah. good. That's mm-hmm. my favorite. Yeah. It There's is nothing good. better than ham burning, just yes. scalding your tongue. Yes. <laughs> and then a little bit of icy cheese with it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, I do enjoy that one, but that's one of the harder ones for me to bring myself to purchase only because because I know I can just make that. Like, it's harder for me to cook up meatballs and marinara and put them in bread. Are you making homemade Hot Pockets, Matthew? I could. It's not not, not hard. You did it once, right? I made Pop-Tarts. Oh, right. It's pretty involved, though. you got to make pie crust. This episode is sponsored by Pop-Tarts, the breakfast (laughs) version of Hot Pockets. (laughs) There's a restaurant in Nebraska, if you guys ever go, or in the Midwest, not just in Nebraska, called Runza. Runza? So uh, we could get some money from Runza too, but they have the most amazing, delicious. We do sandwiches. love money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Are they, they like have, it's, it's a bread. Yeah, it's like a hot pocket, but is a loaf of bread, and then they put meat on the inside, and oh, then you bite into the bread, and it's a mystery. So you can do. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> is it so. really? Do they? Do they? Is there an option just to buy a mystery one? You know, can you say surprise me? And they'll you, just you could. Give you some I'm bread? sure. I'm sure the fast food chain employee would love <laughs> to give they you just a dump whatever they want an experience. In there. <laughs> They'd be like the Dutch Bros person when I was like, can I have a surprise rebel? That's my mom. Sorry, mom. I'll, t- I'll call you back later. Uh, it's okay. I-, I called her earlier, and I didn't explain why. And then so I think she's just calling you back to be a good mom. Thanks, mom. It's okay. I got to sort it out. This episode's also sponsored by Matthew's mom. Yes. She actually has supported me more than any of her sponsors <laughs> by far. Uh, she's actually paying for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, mom. I hope she listens to this one. That'd be great. Talking about Dutch Dutch Bros. Yeah, your the Dutch Bros. Drink. employee where I said kind of a mystery, and she literally just gave me a normal a mystery rebel, and she gave me just the normal rebel over ice, <laughs> not with no flavor. Uh, I oh would no, do that. I couldn't <laughs> handle the pressure. No. I think it would stress me out. It's just the funny. Worst. Well, the, the the person who asked me, they have the cashier and then the baristas, because usually the the. The, the cashier will just will put in one for you. Just pick one randomly, and then they'll just go. But, and she asked me. She even specified. She's like, what flavors do you not like? Like, are there some things you wouldn't want? You don't want, like, you know, popular ones to say no to. There's, like, almond and, like, white chocolate and coconut. And those aren't, like, always the most popular, so people might not want that. And so I was like, oh, maybe maybe no coconut and almond or something. And then she was like, okay, cool. And I guess she took that to be like, wow, picky picky guy, picky guy. You know what? Oh, you know what doesn't have you know what doesn't have coconut and almond? The plain thing. You want a, just a, a worse tasting Red Bull? Yeah. I mean, that's why they call it that. I think it's just so close to names. They want you to say yeah. Rebel and think Red Bull. Yeah. yeah. I just realized that's the first time I've ever thought about that. Really? Yes. Oh, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that Rebel was a thing. I generally think of it, yeah, it's like 3 a.m. at night. I just wake up and I'm like, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, it's a common nightmare. I, I am, that is one Jessup thing that I have not done. I've only been to Dutch two times in my life. Wow. And I've hated it every time. You hated it? Why'd you hate it? Wait, we need thoughts on this. We had a former Dutch Bros, no, a current Dutch Bros employee on last, last week, week on the podcast. So this know, is diversity just, in opinions. I, and I'm not even a coffee snob, but I mean, I'd rather go to Taylor's and get a milkshake. Mm. Like, no, you know, I mean, good. it's just, there's so much sugar and it's, 
it's not really an adventure in my mouth. So that's fair. I really <laughs> like your mouth. I really like their lemonades because I don't drink any like energy drinks or caffeine yeah. or anything. So I just go and get lemonade. And like yeah. they have they have like really good selection of flavors for lemonade. Yeah, it's because they just have like every single one of those like snow cone flavors and the coffee flavors and everything, and so you can just get weird combinations. Yeah. And they just pick like. They'll take like three and be like, this is Dragon Slayer. Why? Because I just said so. <laughs> you know? It's probably because I'm like, each drink is 5,000 calories. And I'm like, yeah. And wow. then I look down at my wolf shirt and I see my love handle sticking <laughs> out. And I'm like, probably shouldn't Not go to Dutch Bros. Yeah. <laughs> your, your nose is protruding a little bit more than last time. I'm a wolf man. <laughs> We're not going to Dutch. Oh, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I know. I, I can't. I think there are people who go there for the coffee, but I just, I'm not one of them. And I just don't. I don't see why that would be your favorite coffee place. It's more like uh, your favorite dessert place. I've never mm-hmm. heard anybody say, I think Dutch has the best coffee ever. Yeah, no, I think never. it's more like an experiential. Is, yeah. Everyone thing. understands. It's like, no, but they have stickers. <laughs> it's yeah. like that. Yeah. Right, right. It's fun and zany. I'm the total dad here, though, because someone will complain to me about how they don't have money to pay something to, like, university. Yeah. Or, I don't have money. And then they'll have, like, an extra large... Something yes. or other from right. Dutch in their hand, and I'm like, that cost you six dollars, so you right. have money. And then they they kind of give me the look, and then avoid me the next time I see them. So you know, truth yep. hurts. Yeah, it does. Truth hurts. And I am a truth speaker. Uh-huh. Yes, speaking are. of speaking, <laughs> speaking of speaking truth, do you have any more truthful retellings from oh, your college? Yeah, I was thinking about adventures. some other ones. It, it's it's hard. The thing that's been so so interesting about my career is that chico set a tone right yeah so we, you started off right, with like the, the most daddy. extreme and yeah. so every place that i've went after that um they you know they've presented different challenges but it just the the craziness and the and how hectic it was in my experience there when when we were there uh, really set a tone and then what it also did which you all may have experienced this too just working with me is it really created a space where i have no empathy for any of my staff <laughs> because i'm like i don't care how extreme it was it's not compared to and then i find an extreme situation that was uh way that was a uh, a lot more crazy so right. a lot of my staff that rds that have worked for me they're like don't share it with farmer because then he'll talk about his life as a dad and how crazy that is and his life at at Chico. So it's pretty funny. Um, But I was thinking about, um, I I was trying to think about some funny situations at other places. Um, I mean, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it w- that was tough to think think through. So everyone else was just good Christian children, less like they yes, the, yes, they should have been. Yeah, That's um, I was thinking about uh, my experience when I was at Santa Clara uh, was really was really a great experience. Uh, but I think there's one thing that that is so interesting about working at universities is that you know there's bureaucracy and and this anything that goes on we do we deal with it here you just have to jump through hoops to make things happen or or whatever but i was just thinking about uh i thought it was so funny when i was at santa clara's we had a really amazing uh alcohol education program there okay and so uh but the the irony of it was that every september santa clara hosts this event for young alumni and basically they invite all the vineyards and (laughs) chocolatiers in the area (laughs) to come to campus that's awesome and a newly graduated person would pay like i don't know 60 bucks to come to this event and it was all on campus and so like (laughs) i would be the rd on call 
And I would get phone calls dealing with people who weren't even affiliated with the university anymore at this event the university hosts. And then just a week ago at RA Training, we're talking about alcohol education, just the irony of it. But I I was thinking about how just crazy that was. It was a really fun event. Was that that a dry campus or? Uh, No, it's a wet campus. I I think that was that that was a. Uh, it wasn't really an issue there. I, you know, um, at Santa Clara, the, that if you were 21, you could have alcohol in your room mm-hmm. uh, appropriately. Like right, if you were right. throwing a debaucherous party, then you would get in trouble. But yeah. yep. But we had, you know, we would have students that would say, hey, we're, we're having to get together. It'll be all everyone over 21. They mm-hmm. would give the RAs heads up. Right. Uh, or my RAs who are over 21 would say, hey, I'm going to have, you know, a couple beverages in my room just so you right. know farmer because i you know they didn't want me to question them and sure so it, it was a it's definitely a different dynamic going from that than coming here and having you mm-hmm. know just different expectations and, yeah. and neither one is mm-hmm. is neither good or bad but um yeah so i was trying to think of uh, i was trying to think of some other funny stories uh, that we had, and I'm honestly, I'm kind of brain lapsing now. So I'm hoping that you'll you'll go into another uh, advertisement, another advertisement, because oh, I, I had one. Have a and, question. Yes, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. So if you could give a piece of advice to a student, I mean, you've been in, you know, working in higher education for a long time. So if you could give a piece of advice to a student who's about to start college or is in college, if you could distill all your wisdom into one piece of advice for a student that's going to be living on campus. What would it be? Mm, that's that's good. I mean, I think there are two things that come to mind. I think the first one is to find your voice. So mm-hmm. I think I think working with students, no matter what campus I've been on, the students that have their own voice. And what I mean is not having your parents speak for you, mm-hmm. uh, not having your parents uh, do everything for you. Uh, those students just uh, exponentially have more success, right? It's not saying the the students who don't or who, whose parents like kind of stand in the gap for them do not have success, uh, but the students that lear- are learning to live on their own, speak on their own, uh, just set themselves apart right away. Uh, and then the other part is the cliche one is is get involved. Like mm. um, you're paying money to be on campus, you're paying money to get your education, get involved. Right. Figure out, it doesn't have to be coming to Res Life programs. It can be find your niche, but find the community to get involved with so it feels like it's home for you. So uh, and, I, you know, I think about a, a student that I'm working with this year who was who was the person that did had no connections last year uh, and was just kind of in their own lane. Hmm. But then there were a couple students, uh, student leaders that were pouring in and pouring in and just saying, hey, get get out of your shell, get out of your shell here, meet some people, meet some people. And it changed the trajectory of that student's experience here at Jessup, mm-hmm. who who six months ago would have been like. It would have told everyone, "Don't come, don't go to Jessup. It's terrible." Yeah. yeah. To this point now, or to this point now in their career, to say, "Why would you not come here?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and it does. It's it's it is a Jessup thing. I think we have our own our own unique niche and and our you know what we have to offer and what your experience has been as students. But I think when a student picks a college, they I, they should be all in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why you wouldn't be. Yeah. Right? Totally. Uh, if you're not all in, then then don't then go somewhere else and and spend less money and get a yeah, job or something, right? Like, it's just kind yeah. of confusing and perplexing. So, the the crazy thing is is the people that can um, be involved, stay on top of school, uh, who work one or two jobs, uh, and still love their experience. Like I mean, it, it's pretty awesome. And yeah. then and then most you know most students 
you know, who are just doing class and um, doing class and then involved and that's all they do and they're they're all in and that's great too. So yeah. anyway, that would be my advice. Yeah, Absolutely. That brings great. up an interesting topic. I think I talked to this, probably both of you at some point um, about, so I, I've always thought, I really appreciate the fact that I've been able to be so involved, especially when I showed up here. I remember specifically I went, I auditioned for theater my first week. I, I ran for government and I got elected and I, um, I don't know, I started working as a student ambassador and stuff like that within like the first week just to try and get involved. And all those things ended up, maybe it's different things, like student government led on to being an RA. My ambassador job led on to me working here. And theater, I still do that. You know, it's my minor now, um, a double minor. And so, um, but like one, one of the things that we've mentioned is like, there is this interesting thing that it seems almost unique to Jessa, but I doubt it is, about like the 18 units I work three jobs. It's like a badge of honor that becomes like, I'm so busy. I don't have time for anything. And then like, there's like some people who feel like very proud of that almost. And I mean, I've definitely been there. It's like, yeah, I've actually, it's like something about specifically just the word 18 units mm-hmm. to people yeah. just use it as their like cop out card. Like, oh yes, well, well, 18 units. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, sorry. Let me, let me step back 18 units. And like, I don't know. I I feel like generally speaking, I am, I've kept myself very busy, but I always have found that, like, I don't know, there's people who will be doing, like, like oh, I'm an RA and I'm taking 18 units, and that's the end. And I'm like, oh, so you're not also working and doing this. It's like, I'm not trying to have a competition, but it's weird that, that that's kind of what it becomes. It's like this, like, thing where it's like, yes, well, Matthew, if you were in my spot, I'm like, not, I mean, I'm in your spot plus theater. Like, I also don't have evenings. So what do you think about that as a, mm. in terms of the culture? Is that a positive thing that people are getting more involved and doing more things? Or is it, is it become like kind of, I mean, because I've seen it, I sometimes feel like it can be kind of toxic. Mm, that's good. I mean, I, there's research that shows that students who are involved, no matter what it is, work, activities, and then also doing school are more successful mm. and retain more than those that are doing the bare minimum. So there's yeah. there's research in that. Now, as a middle-aged dad with kids, and I hear students talk about busyness, I think I have a different perspective. Right. Because now I know what busy is. Totally. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I don't know how I connect with my wife, connect with my kids, connect with my RAs, connect with those that work in my department, connect with my friends. Like, I really don't have time. Right? (laughs) Um, But I say that to to say like I think it just depends on the person but you you talked about this culture of like 18 units and I do this and I do that I think that comes from high school right mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's beat into your all's head you need to be involved in everything or a college won't accept you right oh, yeah um, but I mean I think if uh, the only thing that I would ask and what I ask my staff that work with me and work for me is are, are those things life-giving, right? Right. Mm. Like, are those things that give you life and give you joy, or mm. are they just sucking the life out of you? And then does it become, feel sorry for me because I have so much on my plate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, when I see you doing music and doing RA, doing preview, like, you're busy. And so I think I be, we become protective because we're like, you can't keep doing that. But I don't ever feel like the life is getting sucked out of you. Do you, you know, like, I think you enjoy those things. I do, yes. Right? You love entertaining people in the arts. Mm -hmm. You love hosting and and sharing about your experience here at Jessup, and you want others to share in that, right? And so I think it's just a matter of you all as folks in college need to just reflect and be like, well, what does this look like when I'm in a committed relationship after, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because 
sometimes I do have to say no because my family comes first, right? right. But yeah. I mean, I'm with I'm with Jessup people more than I'm with my family, right? Like when you when it even now to this day, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's the norm, right? Mm-hmm. So so then I have to look at okay, the times that I do have amounts of of time, do I want to give that up or? And sometimes it's worth it, but then other times it's like, no, my time with my family is, you know, what I cherish. So I don't think it's bad. I think it's just a matter of is it sucking the life out of you or not. So right. that yeah. that would be. And I think for you all in your friend groups, I think that's what you all need to be doing and students need to be doing within the context of your friend groups. Like so-and-so is so and is just strapped for time on anything. Uh, we need to have a conversation because we mm-hmm. just feel like we're not getting that person anymore. So yeah. anyway, well, there's been a, there's been a few times where I've given Matthew a bad time for being <laughs> for being too busy. Oh yes, yeah. but right. it's it's, it's happened. That. <laughs> I know that's what their job is. That's what they're here yeah. for to tease me. Yes. Well, because then it feels like are you are well, I don't know you you feel like you're losing out on a friend, right? Right, right. And so but I do think like... it it actually I think it actually transcends Jessup and college culture a little bit too, because even like. Ellie and I are both leadership majors, so we, like, read up on a lot of, like, leadership literature and stuff, and a lot of the time they talk about, like, burnout and stuff and, like, adults who are, like, working class or whatever, but, like, at, like, work functions and stuff, a lot of the thing that people first bring up is, like, oh, how long have you been doing this, right? And, like, it's, like, a badge of honor for, to be able to say, oh, I've been I've been working 40 hours a week for 25 years or whatever, right? Or And some people even more. Some people are, like, oh, I work 60 hours a week, right? And, like, right. that's a brag. And, like, that's, like, time away from there family right yeah. and so it's like boasting in the work instead of boasting in like you know things that really matter right like yeah. like if someone can get up on a stage and say something like like my biggest accomplishment is my four kids as opposed to getting up on stage and saying my biggest accomplishment is working 60 hours a week for 20 years like there's just a different different dynamic there and like that's something i've thought about a lot about like what am i really valuing and like what's actually bring giving me life you know yeah that's good yeah very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when poor boundaries and poor time management becomes like a flex. Yeah. And I think it's important to watch like Ryan and I'll talk about this a lot within even leadership majors bragging about I'm so tired and I'm cuz I'm doing all these things and I feel like part of it is I need to validate why I'm tired. Like I need to well it's cuz I'm really busy. Like we feel like we can't just say this is a lot. I'm struggling. I need to say no. It's like all this pressure to just say yes to everything all the time. And I think maybe it comes out of like I find my identity in what I do. Like, I find my identity in taking a lot of classes and having all the jobs and being involved in all the clubs. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to build up your identity on what you do. So I think it's definitely an interesting thing to watch for. And, yeah, having friends that call you out is super important. Yeah, I think. For sure. You're like, I'm super important for calling it. No, you're right. No, it is good. It kind of looks good. Um, one last question I was wondering is, what would you say to anyone who is considering being an RA or um, already wants to be an RA, like what advice would you give to a student who's thinking about that? Mm. Just in order to, what would make, because you've worked with so many different teams of art, you've seen the list. I mean, you've seen people who like are just like they want to be cops as compared to like people who just want to be friends and never fight anything conflict. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like the question of that we'll get of what are you looking for in an RA? And yeah. so uh, that, that's an interesting question. I would say to anyone, at least how how we tried to do it here at Jessup is that we don't we don't have a cookie cutter uh, RA that we're looking for. Uh, what we're looking for is uh, and what I look for. If you're listening and you're like, I think I could be an RA, can, can you put others first easily? 
Mm. Um, are you comfortable with um, being able to have a hard conversation? We're going to train uh, folks on uh, the things that you need to know about policy and procedure. But the, the individuals that are successful in the position are people that can have hard conversations and people that think about others before they think about themselves, right? Because you think about an incident, uh, you know, if there's an incident that happens uh, at one o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night or an early Friday morning and you have an exam, it doesn't matter in that situation when that student calls on you. And mm -hmm. so you have to put them before yourself. And so, uh, so I, you know, I think those are, t those are a couple things that I'm looking for, but I think, uh, if you're, if you're telling yourself, Oh, I, I'd never be an RA, I would say why. And, and usually someone can't give me a solid answer. Oh, I can't mm -hmm. do that. Oh, I can't do that. Well, yeah. any, anyone who's been an RA, I, I'll say this, uh, I'll say any person whether and, and it can be here at Jessup, it can be at my other schools that I've worked at. I'll take, if I have one person who was an RA and I have a person who wasn't an RA and they have the same education back, same educational background. Uh, similar experiences growing up, but one was an RA and one wasn't, and they go into a job interview, I'd say, I, and this is, I, I haven't actually done this, but I would say that 95% of the time, the person who was an RA is going to get a job over that person who doesn't mm -hmm. because of the experience uh, that you get uh, and mm -hmm. how challenging that is, where right. you have to have hard conversations with a peer and still follow up and be friends with them. Like there are just so many things that you get. So, mm -hmm. but I would say folks, if you're wondering about an RA and saying, well, I'm probably not good RA material, I would disagree. Uh, I think if you can put others first and you can have hard conversations, uh, I think those are two, two starting points that we're looking at. So for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Great. Thank yeah. you so much Absolutely. for sharing everything yeah. farmer. I'm glad you got to come on this week. Hey, thank you for having me. Sorry yeah. we had to go so deep. I think you were looking for funny college stories. And and no, we always <laughs> do. We, we always do both. Yeah. We do everything here. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, we wanted to end by saying that one word that we always say at the end of every podcast the, word that we on say. the one word and we say it at the same time the, uh, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hot pockets is two words. Oh, sorry, I hyphenated it. Okay. Um.